Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Cuban-born jazz drummer Horatio El Negro Hernandez. He opened up about his latest project, the 2019 CD, Italuba Big Band. He's one of a new generation of players following in the footsteps of countrymen like Arturo Sandoval and Paquito de Riviera. His drumming reflects a musical heritage rooted in folklore tradition, and he first gained international recognition as the drummer for pianist. Gonzalo Rubalacaba. Since leaving Cuba in 1990, he has played in the U.S. with many different pop, rock, jazz, and Latin acts, including on many albums, some of which have received Grammy Awards. And these days, he is the leader of his own Latin jazz ensemble as a composer and drummer, and has also produced several instructional books and videos. He's a great and busy cat, so please get to know him. Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. So you are in Kansas City. Kansas City, the home of Charlie Parker. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I want to dive right in here and ask you about your Big Hand album, your latest release. Talk to me about what your goal with this album is. Well, this is an album, Chris, it's a, a project in general, a Big Band project that started started in the, in the auditorium of Rome in Italy like 10 years ago. And then in the middle of, of the recording process of the project, the the crisis hit Europe and hit Italy, and the orchestra uh, stopped the whole orchestra. I couldn't afford anymore a big band at the auditorium. So that's it. The project was handy, and they gave it to me. And then I took it to New York. But but I knew that the right musicians and the right uh, vibe to record this album was going to be Havana. So like a couple of years ago, a producer friend of mine heard the work we had recorded in Rome and New York, and he said, why don't we start all over uh, here in Havana? And, and I knew that because the complexity of the horn lines and the the rhythmic complexity of the horn lines and all of that, it was going to be difficult to record. But then in Cuba, we found this orchestra that is an orchestra made of the best kids of the three music schools of Havana. And maybe the oldest of these kids is 24, 25. And then they they put all their heart into and they record and they play like angels. So it was a 10 years dream finally realized. Right on. That's a great story. Talk to me about growing up in Cuba and what your childhood was like, how you got into music. Cuba is no secret that it's one of the most uh, musical countries in the world and, and it's probably the most rhythmical country in the world, you know, it's all drums and rhythms and dancing and music all over. And then I was born in a very musical family. My grandfather was a trumpet player of traditional Cuban music, and my father dedicated his life to jazz, and, and he had the only jazz show on the radio that he was in Cuba for more than 30 years. Uh, so home was full of musical instruments and, and, and 
musicians all day and music being played, it was actually hard to to get the radio because somebody was already using it. And then I have my brother that is two years older than me, and and he was the one that that, that showed me kind of the the easy way to get where I was going to dream one day. So he was into the Beatles and to, into the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and all rock music, you know. And through there, I kind of fell in love with the drums. My grandfather teaching me Afro-Cuban beats in instruments at home. My father playing me records of John Coltrane and then my brother with the Beatles and the Stones. So it was a, a it was a, a trip that that from the drums probably starts with Ringo Starr and then goes to Charlie Watts, then John Bonham. Then one day I discovered Bill Bruford that it was a big challenge to me, and he led me to to listen to Lenny White, which he career returned to forever, and to Billy Coburn with Mahavishnu, Tony Williams, Steve Gadd. And then Steve Gadd was playing Latin rhythms, actually the, the Steve Gadd Mozambique, and, so, and the, those were all Cuban rhythms. So it was like going in a full circle, you know, from Ringo to, to Steve Gadd to, go, to get back into Cuban music. Did you always have a dream of coming to America? Was that something you grew up with? Yes. I always wanted to play with all the musicians that I was uh, learning, all the musicians that I was learning the music in Cuba. And they were mainly all in New York. You know, Michael Brecker or Jim Patitucci or, or Michelle Camino or any of these people. I was always dreaming to, to one day having the opportunity of playing with them. So talk to me about some of your early mentors, people that really groomed you and, and helped you learn how to not only be a drummer but to be a jazz musician. Right. I had... I have one teacher in school. <clears throat> His name is Santiago Reiter, and he is the, a professor at the University of Belo Horizonte in Brazil these days. And and he was the person who really, who really taught me about uh, about the drums and about the how the drums, you, how with the drums you could be able to to make a musical piece, to make a painting. You know, not just not just to be the accompanist of of a piece of music, but to be part of the of the composing process of the piece of music life and all of the things. So he told me all of this through coordination, you know, through through studying the art of coordination, more than studying technique itself. He was fixed with coordination and with how important it was not to not just to play for different rhythms with your limbs with your limbs, but to be able to have your ear open to respond to anything that happened in the music at the same time that you were playing for different rhythms with your limbs. So so he really taught me not just drumming but how to make music and how to hear the music, how to learn to hear well the music to understand 
everything that is happening in the in the bandstand and, and all of that. So you've been at this for a long, long time playing the drums and you've seen a lot of parts of the world, you've been with a lot of musicians. What do you like the most about being a musician? Well, being a musician more than anything is the the joy of of doing what you love. And and it's nothing that compares to that. And being a musician, I don't know, these days to me, it's a little bit about about getting your instrument as much as I can, with my instrument as much as I can every day. And and try practice, but not practice. Just try to to move forward. It's like a a light that is, that is at the end of the tunnel, the tunnel that we know we're never gonna grab it. But it's nothing more beautiful than, than to go after. You know, it's 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 uh, endless, infinite. So so just to run behind music. The infinite is, is, is a great feeling. At this point in your career, after all the years and performing and accolades and cats you played with, are you happy with where you're at with your career? Oh, certainly. Certainly. I think that when I see where I'm coming from, uh, it's a just like that. It's a lifetime journey that has been very positive and. Um, and I would do it all again if I have to say when, you know, because in all the, the, let me try to be able to get here somewhere, it's a lot more there. So the places that music had taken me, the people that I have had the chance to live with and to perform with and to be with and places and, I mean, it has shown me the whole world. It has shown me everything. Music. Through music, I have learned everything else. So what what have you learned from legends? I mean, you've had an association with Dizzy Gillespie and a lot of other big names in the world of music. What did legends teach you about not only being a musician, but being a human being? Oh, I don't know. It's maybe the, the most too, I don't want to say important, but the most, the two people that I have more in mind now with your question is, is Mr. Dizzy Gillespie himself and Mr. Tito Puente. And both of them were people with incredible joy. They were the most, the happiest people I had ever met and always positive and always good vibe. And I mean, it was without without getting out of our hands it was always a party to be with them it was always joy always joy wonderful so early on in your life what was one of the first jazz shows you saw that really moved you oh my god the first yeah show i saw i was very little it was like 14 or something like that and it's the only it was the only time that cuba that american musicians playing cuba for maybe 50 years, and it was called the Havana Jam. And I had the opportunity of seeing there the weather report, Jaco Pastorius with Tony Williams and John McLaughlin in the trio. Uh, we saw there 
the CBS All Stars are most the band of all luminaries, Stan Getz and all those people. We saw Billy Joe actually also. And it was like two days of, of concerts between Cuban and American bands. And those were the, the American bands that came. It was fantastic. Peter Eskin on drums and weather report. Fantastic. What's left for you? Do you have anything specifically in your future you're looking forward to accomplish or play with or go to? Well, these days I'm trying to, to find more and more time to, to, to shed, you know, to shed and to move my craft forward. And certainly we're not, we're not getting any younger. But it's a lot. It's a lot to to still to do. You know, I'm already in the new project. Now we're promoting the big band, but I'm already have a trio project that I want to put out maybe for next year, and and I'm already working on it. And I'm working like in three more records, and then touring with my band now in the summer in July. We're going to Europe, so it's very busy. Still, extremely busy. Right on. So, why do you love jazz? Oh, because it gives me the freedom that other kinds of music don't have, probably, you know. Other kinds of music, you got to play a drum part. Usually, it's going to be the same every night. So, it's fine if you like to play the same every night. But if you like to, to keep getting deeper and deeper and discovering and discovering, I mean, jazz is... Jazz uh, uh, is educate yourself too, you know what I mean? Uh, get better yourself. That is jazz. It's not just the freedom to talk. It's like you have to study how to talk. To every day talk with a better degree of knowledge and better degree of, of craft. And, and <clears throat> so, so it's like a, it's, an, it's an endless science too. Jazz is the, the, is the, the, the way where we can walk all together or not, you know. Yeah. We're going to try. Let's try. So let's, uh, let's study how to try better, how we can make this better, how we can listen to you better, how I can interact with you better, how I can accompany the solo piano better for the sake of the solo and the music is, itself, you know. The style of music with less things that have to be dictated by anything. You know, it's, it's freedom. Everyone has their interpretation or their version of who they think you are. Your family, your friends, your fans. But you know who you are best. Tell mm -hmm. me, who do you think you are? Well, I'm, a, I'm just a person madly in love with, with music and drums, you know. And with his whole life around the drum set, around the music and, and rhythm. Right on. That was my final question. Thank you for opening up about this new project, for what oh, you've done for you. jazz. I appreciate your time today, man. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Cuba, Miami, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Horatio for his time, his music, and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Dabino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, 
Enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.